This episode is brought to you by Evermill. Evermill makes the world's most elegant spice rack that features text-to-refill organic spices in compostable packets, as well as a suite of kitchen products that help you cook so you can focus on sharing meals with the ones you love. This episode is brought to you by Equipped. Equipped is a modern luxury fitness brand that creates stylish, compact, portable, and versatile fitness equipment that will inspire you to move anytime, anywhere, whether you have half a minute or half an hour. Stay tuned for some special offers from our amazing sponsors exclusively for Stairway to CEO listeners later in the show. Hello, everyone. It's Lee Green, and welcome back to the Stairway to CEO podcast. It's my mission to bring you real, honest, and unfiltered interviews with some of the most innovative founders and CEOs from all walks of life. We'll talk about their climb to the top, their stumbles along the way, and the steps they took to get them to where they are. So tune in to get inspired, listen to some real talk, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Lee Green, and welcome back to the show. This is episode 143, and today I sat down with Blake Sorensen, the founder and CEO of Blake's Seed Based. Due to a deathly nut allergy and realizing the need for safe snack options, Blake created Blake's Seed Based as a way to provide vegan, gluten-free, and allergy-friendly snacks that everyone can enjoy. Blake and I talked about what it was like growing up in Minneapolis as the youngest of four brothers, how he got rejected from the NFL, which took him back home to his parents' basement, where he began working in sales for startups and attended business school. As part of a social entrepreneurship course, he launched his company originally called Blake's Nut Free. We talked about the three-month process and steps he took to launch a successful Kickstarter campaign and how he reformulated and rebranded the business and how launching a crispy treat saved the company and to this day is still their best-selling product. If you like what you're hearing on the Stairway to CEO podcast, don't forget to click subscribe, leave us an awesome review, and check us out on stairwaytoceo.com, where you can catch up on past episodes and read product reviews on our blog. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Blake, thanks so much for joining me on the show. I'm really excited to hear your story in building Blake's Seed-Based little bit of a mouthful, but we love it. How are you doing today? I'm doing greatly. I appreciate you having me on. For sure. Where are you calling in from? I live in Denver. I was in Chicago for the past uh, 10 years and been in Denver uh, since September. So loving it so far. Where are you from originally? I grew up in Minneapolis, uh, originally a suburb called Eden Prairie, and then spent most of my life in the Midwest between Minneapolis and Chicago and Went to college at Wisconsin, so we've kind of bounced around the Midwest, so this is new for me, getting out west. And so uh, your childhood, can you paint the picture? Like, what did your parents do? Did you have any siblings? What were you like as a kid? Yeah, I had a wonderful childhood. I was the youngest of four boys. Wow, so, that's a uh, lot of boys. <laughs> uh, Brett, Bart, and Ben are all my older brothers. Uh, and all then Blake, Bs? So. Yeah, all Bs. What's with the B? What's with the letter B? Originally, like my parents had a brother, Brett, they liked the name. Bart was named after uh, our godfather, 
And then after that, you know, it's like you can't have a Brett Bart and like a Steven. So they just they just kept it going. That's amazing. Yeah, when we're home, like my parents still like we, we get called any B name and you'll you'll respond. It's they they get it right like half the time. That's so funny. My son's name is like double. It's an M and then an M because I wanted to keep the like first name with the same like letter of the last name. So I could have gotten that. But, you know, with Sorensen being your last name, it doesn't go. No, it doesn't go. doesn't go. I had to know where the B's come from. That's hilarious. What about your parents? Do they have B letter names, too? No, uh, Ken and Sue. So that, that didn't translate. But it, yeah, I had a, had a great childhood. My mom was a dietitian. So grew up, grew up eating very clean, which, you know, I didn't realize would translate to the industry I'm in now. And then my dad was in the uh, construction business. Yeah, I had an awesome childhood. Still very close to my brothers. Grew up playing, uh, you know, sports were a big part of our, our childhood. And yeah, you know, re- really have great things to say about my family. And what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, a lot of it, again, probably like most kids, uh, I mentioned sports were a big part, but a lot of it was be a be the pro athlete, I think was what I, what I wanted to be. Which sport? Football was was always my sport. So I, I played at, played uh, linebacker at Wisconsin. A short stint with the Seahawks. So I accomplished that for like a week, but that was kind of the the goal growing up. And yeah, I think the good thing, it, it translates to what I'm doing now is just the, the very goal oriented and, and regimented, which, you know, so what happened? You wanted to be a pro football player, but what, what happened? When did you realize or kind of come to the conclusion that that wasn't going to be in the future? They kind of let you know. Uh, so I yeah graduated in t- 2011 from Wisconsin and then uh, was a free agent with the Seahawks. So when was at their training camp? You know, I was there for, you know, like two weeks and then, you know, they, they cut me kind of just let you know, Hey, we're going to go with, go with these other guys. Ouch. And that, yeah, but it it's kind of a hard lesson. It's just kind of how it is. And, and there's no like second chances. Not really. The NFL is unique, you know, like basketball, you can go play overseas. Uh, you know, you can do other things like football, NFL. I could have played in the CFL for like, but it was like 30 K a year and, my blowing out your knees, not worth that. So at that, at that point, I yeah hung it up and said, uh, yeah, time to, time to start a new journey and have, have new goals. That's interesting. Is that tough as an entrepreneur to kind of like hear? I, for me, it's hard to hear. I'm like, what do you mean? There's no other, like, they don't call you back and say, Hey, actually you worked so hard. We want you back. You know, like, where's the, how do you actually, how do you get past that barrier? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is interesting. People have a tough time. I think moving on. Cause it's like, from the time I was five, like that was, you know, people get wrapped up. That's your identity. That's what you're working to. But what I realize now is again, the, that the goal, uh, setting goals and like being very regimented uh, was a blessing in disguise that, you know, I, I, I realize now but it didn't at the time. How did you heal from that? You're right. Your identity from such an early age, it gets ingrained in you that football is your thing. That's what you want to do. You're going to work so hard to achieve and and go pro. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, not going to happen. And you have to totally shift gears. How did you kind of unravel, I guess, emotionally or like recover and deal with kind of that identity shift? Everyone's got to deal with it. I was no different. I think I basically took the energy I had trained to play football and try to apply it to other areas. So some were athletics, like I got into running marathons. I did an Ironman 
And so some of it was translating the, the athletic um, component, but a lot of it was, again, it, it was like the business world opened up. I realized, you know, I knew a lot about training and athletics, but it was a whole new opportunity uh, for me to kind of get my uh, journey started in the business world. And, and try to get positive, you know, of, instead of like, oh, well, now what am I going to do? How can I get back up from this? It's it's kind of like a whole new world opened up of possibility. Yeah. The the um the way they do it is funny, too, is they bring you in and, you know, the head coach meets with you and they already have the, the flight booked. So, so, so they cut you, meet with, I met with Pete Carroll, the head coach of the Seahawks, and then you're on a flight two hours later and, you know, to my parents' basement. Oh, God. Um, Right. Yeah. But but yeah, again, a lot of good lessons and yeah, it was all good. good. Worked out. Oh man. I'm sure so many people listening can relate, you know, I know I can, and that's, that's not easy, but at least you had support of your family and you're ready to turn things around. So what did you end up doing? What were next steps for you? I know that you said you got physically active in, you know, marathons and Ironman and stuff like that, but what did you do, you know, professionally, what were you looking at? So I was, I was interested uh, at the University of Wisconsin. I was fortunate enough and knew that football would end at some point. So I think I did a pretty good job networking and, you know, interviewed for a few different opportunities, but I ended up working for, for a startup after I was done, which I had no exposure to. It was, it was a fitness startup. So I got exposed to kind of entrepreneurship and that that journey of kind of taking an idea and, and bringing it to life. And what was that like? How long were you there? What was your role? And what were some of the things that you realized do and don't work in the startup world? Yeah, so I, uh, I worked for uh, an entrepreneur for, for two of his companies. One was a fitness company and the other one was a uh, private aviation company called, called Wheels Up. And I think over the course of it, it was one I didn't realize that you could just have an idea and, you know, go out and execute it. So this was your first time seeing what entrepreneurship is. Like, did you not, you didn't really know what entrepreneurship was kind of like you knew, but then never saw it or had experience with it. Yeah. And like, I wasn't the kid that had a lemonade stand and I, like, I didn't grow up like wanting to be an entrepreneur. The opportunity really, really fell at my lap, but was around some, you know, amazing operators. And, and I think I realized the time and energy and effort that goes behind a startup. I mean, it's, it's all consuming, but my, I think my biggest takeaway was if I'm not, if I, if I don't really have passion for that, that space, you know, I'm not going to do as best a job as I could. It led me to, you know, again, work for these these startups uh, for a while. And then it led me to go back to business school, actually, where that's where I kind of formulated everything and everything happened. But I said, hey, I realized working in these startups and I had different sales roles, but, you know, I didn't really understand the financial component, some of the operations component. So it it gave me the, the full picture. And it also realized made me realize where I was uh, weak. And, and also um, I wanted to get back and say, you know, I didn't need to start something right away, but I wanted to build that skill set where eventually I could start something on my own. And that's when you thought I'm going to go and get my MBA. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I graduated in Wisconsin from 2011 and then worked um, and up until 2016 is when I went full-time to get my MBA at Indiana. Amazing. And so when you got your MBA, we're looking back, were you 
did you feel fulfilled? Did, were you like, okay, I, I went to the school and I, I got all of the information. I feel like I'm ready now. Like, did it cover, did it check the boxes you were hoping it would check? I did. I mean, it's a good reset. Again, I, I right or wrong in college, it's like, I was so focused on the athletic component that I didn't realize like, what's a marketing job? What's a finance job? I just didn't, didn't know. So MBA gives you an opportunity to understand, you know, all the different professions, all the different roles. And it's kind of a reset, if you will. Uh, so that's, that's what it was for me. And so what did you do after you got your MBA? What was next? So I ended up, the idea for Blake Seedbase came out of a class, an entrepreneurship class in Indiana. So tell us the moment you're sitting in class, like paint the picture for us. Tell us the whole story. Yeah, it involves a gas station, but I'll, I'll get there. So it was a 13-week course, uh, and you have to basically solve a need or come up with your own company. And uh, it was a social entrepreneurship course. You're trying to like you know make the the world a better place. And we had to have our ideas in like two days. And I was driving back from Chicago to Indiana, and I pulled off at a gas station, and I went in the bar aisle, the snack bar aisle. And all of a sudden, like I was trying to think of ideas for this class. And it was like that light bulb moment for me where I, I've, I have a deathly nut allergy. So I could never growing up, you know, all the snack bars and a bunch of other snacks were essentially off limits. And I remember wa walking at, at in this gas station and saying, why isn't there anything that doesn't have nuts that's free of the major allergens that everyone can eat? And that was the kind of the where it all started. So there's nothing in the aisle. You're like looking in the aisle and there's nothing you can have. Yeah. I mean, before it's like I go to get, it's like beef jerky or, you know, banana or whatever, but that was where it started. And, you know, from then on, it's basically been all consuming. Uh, so you had this life. nut allergy, which sounds like it's very dangerous. Uh, I think you said deathly. What is that? So when did you know and find out that you had this nut allergy? When I was uh, two years old, I like, you know, I, I go into anaphylactic shock where my throat swells up. So I have to carry carry an EpiPen actually, but my my parents found out when I was around two, I ate something with with nuts in it and and had a reaction. So you know, I, my whole life I've had it. I've done a pretty good job, especially lately, of avoiding it. But you know, multiple times, like I've been carried off and in, in you know, a stretcher, and you go to the hospital, and it's a very serious issue. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. And I'm terrified for your parents too. I mean, I have an almost two-year-old right now and I just can't imagine. I mean, he's had nuts, so I doesn't have that allergy, thank God. But that's really scary <laughs> to as a parent and just even for you to be living with. That's a lot. I feel like you and Denise from Partake Foods need to talk. She's the best. I have a lot of respect for Denise and and uh, her brand, and I'm a big fan. When we when we just launched the businesses, we went to this gluten free expo, uh, both, and I was right by Denise, and we, neither of us had either idea like what we were really doing. So I got to know Denise then, and uh, yeah, it's amazing to see how far she's come. That's cool. Nut free food space is what yeah. you guys are in. That's awesome. Right. Okay, cool. So you're at the gas station, you have this aha moment, there's nothing I can eat, there's nothing nut free, you know, what can I do different? And then what was the idea that you had? Was it I'm going to make a bar? Like, what kind of bar did you have in your head at the gas station that you might want to create? So I knew it would be free of, of nuts, uh, obviously. And then I always ate a lot of uh, just as a replacement for kind of nuts, or we throw seeds in different recipes. So I know, 
I knew I wanted to incorporate seeds in the product. So, but it literally entailed, like, I didn't have a lot of ideas. I was Googling different recipes and I, I went to the grocery store, bought a food processor. And for the next, you know, two, three months was essentially putting together every different concoction, having classmates try it out, bringing bins to people, just trying to put together something that, you know, again, tasted good, was free of the nuts and the other major allergens and, and people liked. And what was that first bar that people liked? So our original recipe that we launched was like a, a date-based product. And one of the things we learned is it, the product might taste good for three months, but you know, you need it to last longer than that. It got, it got hard after a while, but it was a, a lemon, a lemon berry snack bar. We had like th three flavors of that when we originally launched. So, and, and the, launching it was another story. Like we didn't, I was in business school and we didn't just, I didn't have any, any funds to, to launch the company. So we had three snack bars that I had formulated in my um, kitchen. And then we had to go and find a, a nut free manufacturer, which, which took, which, yeah, which took me almost a year to find. Yeah. So that was, that was a whole process, but the original uh, production run was $20,000, which I, I didn't have. So uh, we did a, a Kickstarter campaign, actually. Were you nervous? Were you like nervous to do that? Because the Kickstarter is all about like you going on camera. I'm the founder. This is my idea, blah, blah, blah. Were you like shy at all to like kind of put together a video or, you know, something on Kickstarter to put yourself out there and ask for money from strangers? You know, I, I just wanted to take the next step. Like I had a product that I thought I liked, but the next thing was, will anyone buy this product? which I didn't know. So for me, it was, if that Kickstarter would have failed, it would have said there's not a market for it. But yeah, we, we paid like $500, made kind of a crappy video, but it explained the story and, and you know, why we were trying to do what we wanted, wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, again, as I mentioned, the first day we put it up, we, we raised $20,000. So that was- Oh my was, gosh. Yeah. First day you hit your goal or what would you do set the goal as? We set it as $20,000 and then we hit our goal and then we kept, you know, we raised it a little bit. We ended up raising close to $30,000 that, again, just gave us the capital to kind of do the first production run and get everything rolling. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. When was the last time you looked in your spice drawer? If you're like me, you probably have to look at it every time you cook, which is a lot. And it looks like a complete disaster. Different size seasonings, different brands, it's a mess and totally uninspiring. That's until I discovered Evermill, the most beautiful and inspiring spice rack I've ever seen. And it looks gorgeous both on your countertop for everyone to see and compliment, or it looks great in your spice drawer too. Not to mention, they send you refills and compostable packets that you can get to delivered straight to your door simply by sending a text message. So if you're looking for an amazing gift idea, you have to check it out. They also just released two new products, a white marble salt well and an aluminum pepper mill, perfect for the person who you think has everything. You can get 15% off by using the promo code stairway15 on evermill.com. That's 15% off site-wide for the first time ever using the code stairway15 at evermill.com. 
Do you struggle to find time to go to the gym or even just work out at home somehow? What about the ugly weights you're probably hiding in your closet or under your bed? Out of sight, out of mind, am I right? Meet Equipped, a female-founded luxury fitness brand with a no-pressure approach to movement that creates gorgeous weights that look so good, you can place their U-shaped weight called the U-bar on your coffee table and your friends will probably think it's a new art piece. Or if you're on the go, just throw on their U-wrap super stylish vegan leather ankle weights so that you can get a little workout in while running your errands in style. Featured in everything from Vogue to the Financial Times, Equipped makes it easier to move through life. And if you're looking for a great gift idea this holiday season, you can get 20% off on EquippedMovement.com using the promo code STAIRWAY20. That's 20% off luxury fitness equipment using the code STAIRWAY20 on EquippedMovement.com. Thank you so much to our amazing sponsors. I hope you're able to take advantage of these exclusive deals designed just for you. Now let's get back to the show. And how did you get to 20K in the first day? Like what was, what do you think you did differently or right to make that happen? I think a few things. I mean, I leveraged my, I was in school. I let basically anyone that I knew over the course of my, you know, 30 years on earth I had reached out to. And also there was a lot of people that have this problem as well, that, you know, the not free community and whether it's Facebook or different groups on LinkedIn, there are a lot of people that I realized that also wanted a product uh, that, you know, was healthy, tasted good and was free of the the major allergens. So we were able to tap into that community. That's amazing. So you kind of leveraged your colleagues at work or at, um, at school, your students at school. And then you also went into these uh, communities on Facebook. And it sounds like you were kind of just like posting, commenting on things and just like, Hey guys, check this out. Check this out. <laughs> how much work did you do to prepare? Like how much, how many weeks did you do that in order to prepare for the launch and then get that 20 K that first day? It was probably a three-month process from uh, filming the video to putting the listing up to, you know, getting emails from people to kind of make the announcement launch. So I would say, yeah, start to finish was about three months. Interesting. I think people don't realize that there's like, you know, when people say, oh yeah, first day I got 20K, you know, people listening are like, oh my gosh, maybe I can just list it and people will come, you know? No, I mean, it was like basically me working on it every day for three months. But at the same time, if it would have, if we wouldn't have hit the goal, I would have, I'd be doing something else right now. But this is the thing. I think this is why I do this show is because I want to talk about things that I think that, you know, most things are kind of highlighted on a highlight reel of like, oh, first day we got 20K, but no one really, I think, digs into this three-month process you went into to make that a success. And you, I think many people would just take this as, oh, oh yeah, if I can't get 20K on this first day, then I, I failed and I shouldn't do it. But maybe it was a great idea. They just didn't do the hard work to prepare to tap into these communities and build awareness around their campaign in the first place. Yeah, you're exactly right. This wasn't a shotgun approach where we just put a video up. It was, uh, yeah, it was thought out, and yeah, hours and hours of work were, were put into, yeah, just give us the opportunity to to tell people our story. Right, right. That's so funny. Um, amazing. And so once you realized and you had this successful Kickstarter, you're like, that sounds like that was kind of what you needed to realize that this was, you know, you validated the concept essentially that other people want this. And now you had the cash to go to the manufacturer and get what you needed for your bars. So what happened after that? Did you create those uh, lemon berry snack bars? 
We, we did. Yeah. So we honored all the original orders, which is, you know, Kickstarters is pre-orders. So we uh, got everyone their product. We put up a pretty crappy website, basically begin selling kind of direct to consumer online uh, for the next few months. And the, the company's name at the time was actually called Blake's Nut Free. And, you know, we had a, we had a different formulation. The packaging was designed in like Microsoft Paint. I mean, it, it was as scrappy as you can be. But what we did was, you know, all the Kickstarter consumers, we got feedback from all the people that ordered on our website, we got feedback from. And it, what we ended up doing is taking all that feedback to kind of essentially pause the company. It was, it was positive, but we said, hey, the formulation we can make better, the branding we can make better. So from about December of 2017 to, um, to May, we got all this data and talked to all these consumers. And then at that point, we said, there's a big opportunity here, but if we want to go for it, we got to reformulate. We need to rebrand. And we're going to work again. I didn't have it. We were out of capital at that point. So I said, we're going to need some capital to kind of relaunch this, this, this company. So we shut everything down and again, reformulated, rebranded and raised some money to kind of relaunch the 2.0 version in uh, September of 2018. So 2.0 launched in December, 2018. And how did that go? It was great. Yeah. So September, September, 2018, we had, you know, the, the branding was a lot better. The products tasted much better. We launched on uh, Amazon, which is a, a big channel for us, our website. You know, I think overall it was, people were very pleased. It was definitely an upgrade for the product and the brand just all around. So is this the same branding you have now? Did you change the name during that? Yeah, we did. We changed it to Blake's Seed Base. And what we realized is people, you know, being a person with a food allergy, like I didn't, you don't want to be the food allergen kid. And also if you don't have food allergies, you might not gravitate towards a product that's like screams nut free. Mm -hmm. So what we try to do with our brand and our products is just not just for people with food allergies. It's, you know, the broader health and wellness make better for you products that, oh yeah, they're free of the top nine food allergens. Those people seek us out, but we're trying to get it to the you know a broader audience. And at what point did you launch or think about launching the the Rice Krispie treat? That's what I'm going to call it because it's so good. That's my favorite. It's delicious, and you have like pumpkin seeds in there. I'm like, how? About, that's such a great idea. You know, I'm always looking for ways to have more pumpkin seeds and like better for you seeds. It's really hard. I mean, it's not like I want to add it to a salad every time. That's the only time I would eat seeds. I don't really eat them, you know, out of the packages, <laughs> um, which I know you've created a more interesting way to enjoy sunflower seeds. But I love that bar just because also it's like I want a Rice Krispie treat, but I don't want to feel bad about it. <laughs> Yeah, we launched the, uh, we call them crispy treats instead of uh, rice crispy treats because we right. got to- They're like seed crispy treats. Yeah, it, but we launched that product in, in 2021, early in, in 2021, and that's just taken off. I mean, people just understand it's like a better for you, you know, rice crispy treat. And it's been, uh, it's really been driving the company. And yeah, you mentioned seeds. Seeds are, we sneak seeds somehow into all of our products. Uh, so that that will never go away. You guys even have a birthday cake seed crispy treat. I'm gonna call them seed crispy treats now. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, delicious. That, that's, that, that's our best selling product. Uh, but everybody's so obsessed with birthday cake, is aren't they? Like it's just this weird thing. I feel like over the past <laughs> five years, like everyone has a birthday cake flavor of something. Yeah, we we 
it surprised us too, but people love it. You know, we had kind of the basic flavors and we launched that flavor. And from day one, it just took off. I think I remember you have sprinkles on them. Is that accurate? You have like some kind of we colorfulness. Do. Yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the top. Uh, so like we have four flavors of, of our, our crispy trees, but yeah, the birthday cake has sprinkles uh, sprinkle on top. I mean, how fun is that? That's why everyone loves birthday cake. You know, it's like a little bit right. of color, maybe some sprinkles. It's just fun. Yeah, it is. It is fun and it tastes great. So that that flavor is very much trending right now. What are the two other flavors? I know there's like the original and the blue packaging, I think, which is really good. What are the other two? We have a um, uh, so birthday cake, chocolate chip are, are kind of our best sellers. And then we have an, a strawberry, which is great. And then an original. That's why I don't remember. Cause I have a mother-in-law who's been living with us and she's obsessed with chocolate. So it doesn't last very long in the house and she probably ate them all. <laughs> I'm going to go good for her. Figure she's, out. she's got good taste buds. If, if she's eating them all. Anything with chocolate, it's gone. You know, she's just, she's right. after it. I have to like hide it. I'm like, this is for my podcast. You're not allowed to have it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Amazing. So you guys launched those in, you said 2021? The crispy treats, correct. Yeah. And I know today you guys launched the chewy granola bars. I can't wait to try those. What's it been like getting your products into retailers? I know you guys are in Sprouts and Wegmans, Sam's Club, and over 2,000 stores. Tell us what it's like to sell to retail. Challenging and amazing at the same time. I'd say the same thing of... It, we didn't know anything when we launched the business. We were on direct to consumer Amazon. Uh, our first retailer, Jewel Osco, which is a retailer out of Chicago, and I didn't knew nothing about retail. I messaged, I like hounded the buyer on LinkedIn to just to just to get a meeting for ten minutes. And you know, I walked in the meeting, and I think he saw my passion for the product. He liked how it tasted, and you know, he asked what what distributor we were in. We weren't in any distributors at that point. So it, it was it was kind of like faking it and, and saying, yeah, well, we're, we're getting set up with this distributor and, and making it work. But uh, just the whole process. I mean, we've, we've had good people and good sounding boards we can reach out to, but it was basically just taking that step and, and figuring out that first retailer and mastering it and then growing from there. That's awesome. And so what was it like to see your product on store shelves for the first time? Were you like freaking out? Yeah, pretty, pretty awesome. It's a, definitely a proud moment to see, you know, your product on shelves or be at a retailer and see someone you don't know in the the, the checkout aisle with, with, with your product. Uh, very rewarding. And again, our product, like I didn't start the company to m make a buck. It was really solving my own need and, and realizing that other people, you know, also had this problem. So it's, it's very rewarding uh, for all those reasons. So is your product in gas stations yet? We're, we're not in gas stations yet. We're, um, our approach has been online retail. We're really expanding. And then kind of the, the food service, we will be entering gas stations in 2023, some like refuel centers and great. How, I mean, that's going to be the full circle aha moment when you go to pump gas and you go in the aisle and your, your, your bars are right there. That is very true. Yeah. We've been trying to be strategic about the growth, but again, we feel like there's a lack of basically better for you allergen free snacks on the market. And our goal is to get them everywhere. It's just uh, takes a lot of time and energy and resources to make that happen, but we're slowly picking away. So what's been um, some of the most challenging moments for you? When were there times where you've had some major setbacks or you've had to learn something the hard way? I think COVID was definitely tough. Uh, we were in the 
we were in the snack bar category. That market tanked. I mean, it was down like 30%. Like no one was sitting at home, you know, hammering snack bars. Everyone was, was cooking meals. So that was really tough. I mean, our business, we launched in our first kind of full year was, was 2019 with a new brand. And we had a momentum in 2020 was as it was for everyone, but especially in our category, just was a standstill. But what, you know, the, the learnings from that, we said, okay, if snack bars might be taking a little bit of a hit, what other products can we make? And as down as we were, that led us to create the, the crispy treat, uh, which you could argue saved the company. We, you know, we worked on that in 2020 and in early 2021, we launched that product and it was just, yeah, we never expected the response from that product. How did you come up with the idea for that? Like, what was the spark where you're like, that's what we're going to do and that could save us? Like, how did you come up with that? So we try to look at cat, like we wanted to solve your snacking needs for every occasion. So we had our kind of our snack bar, which was kind of pre or post workout or on the go. And then when we began to think of, of treats and like what everyone likes, it was like, okay, the cookie. And we, we ended up on a Rice Krispie treat. And we said, well, what if we, what if we made a, you know, Rice Krispie treat, but it was a better for you version that was vegan, that was free of the major food allergens and made it taste great. Like, where were you? What were you doing when you had this idea? I'm always curious how people get ideas. Like what inspires those moments? The, the specific idea, you know, I think we literally were just like listing out like better for you treats. And some of it is what, what your manufacturer can make as well. You know, we had a list of ideas. We worked with the manufacturer, kind of ended on a few, few different choices that we could make. But I think a lot of the great ideas for me happen when I'm not like in the work day. It's, you know, I might be on a walk or doing something totally different where, where things will kind of pop in my head. So were you on a walk when you thought of this idea? I, I would, I don't know the exact moment that that came to my mind, but uh, I would argue it's likely. Awesome. And so you're in retail and we're talking about the snack category and COVID being the toughest thing. What was another moment where like, have, what have you learned as a leader being a CEO, running a business, having a team? What are some things you've learned about managing others and leading a team? Yeah. It's really all about people. The people I think as a leader and, you know, starting the company, it's important that I lay out the vision and make sure people we bring on have the right values. But I think the biggest unlock as a leader is, bringing on the right people and giving them leeway and kind of letting them do their thing. You know, we're all working together closely, but the bringing on the right people, to our team has unlocked our, our business. Went from a one man show to slowly, you know, building it out and, and, and again, letting people uh, give it enough rope or they can, they can kind of take it and, and do with it. What's something you wish you had known before you started your business? You know, I knew, I knew it was going to be tough. I think if I, knew how hard it was going to be in the ups and downs. I didn't understand that. It worked for startups, but when you're the, you're the guy it takes on a whole world of its own. And then the other thing is just how capital intensive CPG is. I think that, I mean, that's been, it just takes so much capital, especially when you're growing and to, uh, to, to run a business. So it's kind of the, that never ending cycle of keep growing, but then, you know, there's, there's cash needs. And so have you had to fundraise from outside investors? We have. Yeah, we've done uh, done a few rounds. We just finished our Series A this past summer, which was great. And, you know, what we've done is a lot of the people we've raised money from are either former founders or uh, funds specifically in our space that have kind of gone through the and run the race that I'm trying to run. 
Uh, so we lean on those individuals uh, heavily for, for advice. They're probably sick of me calling. It's so important to surround yourself with the right people, especially just advisors and, and peers as well. Um, people that can relate and kind of say, oh yeah, I've been there, but that's nothing compared to what I've been through. <laughs> right. I mean, it's everything. It's like, I could try to hit my head against the wall and, or our team couldn't find the answer where you can pick up the, the phone. And, and the one thing in our industry is people are so nice. Uh, even our, we would just say our competitors, like we talk to and everyone kind of shares ideas. So it's been a blessing in disguise. What do you think are some qualities that make up a um, successful entrepreneur? Like what are the the traits that you have to have, you think, to to be successful in building a CPG brand? I think you have to have the passion for the product. Again, for me, it goes back to I'm solving my own problem. And I also think it's important to, like we kind of start with the end in mind. Like what are we trying to build from day one? You know, do we want to be a, a company that, is in a hundred stores and this is a side business or do we want to be everywhere? So I think laying that out from day one, like we were very bold and that we, we want to build this into a big business, be known everywhere and being able to, again, when we're fundraising and when we're bringing on new people, uh, relaying that story, I think is so important for entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And so what's next for you guys? You launched the Chewy Bars today. What's coming up next for 2023? What can we expect yeah, so we have four uh, product lines now. We have our snack bars, which we originally launched. We have our crispy treats, which have taken on a world of our own and are driving the business. We have sunflower seeds, individual packs of sunflower seeds, and then chewy granola bars. Yeah, this is the official announcement, are live. Those will go national uh, retail in 2023, but retail is the big focus. Again, we're in around 2,000 doors right now. We're hoping to at least double that. Retailers like Kroger and Walmart and, and Central Market continue to expand in the retailers we're in and, and knocking down new doors. And when you say it's capital intensive to build a brand, what do you mean? Like how much money are we talking to get to each kind of level? I know it varies for products, but. Millions and millions of, of dollars. And it depends how fast you grow. Like if you grew it over 20 years, you know, you could run a slower race. But if you're trying to grow really fast, and also the second you take an investor investor money, like you have to deliver them a return, right? So it, it's, which I don't think a lot of people talk about. Right. Time is not your friend when you take investor money. <laughs> right, right. So, it, you know, we're, and we're being strategic about our growth. You know, we, we're going in, performing well in retailers and continue to expand. But if you just look at it, like if you get a big retail order, you, say you get a million dollar order, you have to produce that product. And you might not get paid. You might not get paid on that product for you know 120 days, 150 days. So it becomes a a cash flow issue, which is why it becomes so capital intensive. What do you think are some important things to know, like as an entrepreneur? What what final advice, I guess, do you have for anyone trying to build a brand today? I think the first thing is just take that first step. If you're you know have that idea, just just take that next step and. Secondly, what I was shocked by in my journey is how many people are willing to help you out. You know, it might not be the same industry, but reach out on LinkedIn, reaching out to friends, getting feedback and, and just sharing ideas with people in, in your network has been super powerful, powerful for our story. When people reach out to you on LinkedIn, are you responsive as well and kind of take calls with people that cold message you? I tried it about anyone that reaches out because how helpful people have been to me. Um, 
yeah, almost anyone that reaches out, uh, unless they're trying to sell me like wrappers, which we already have a bunch of, <laughs> we have a bunch of, uh, suppliers for, I, I will immediately hit back, especially if it's, you know, entrepreneurial and, and they want some advice. And curious about your tech stack. What has been one of the most important solutions that you guys have used? Like, what do you rely on most? You know, it's still pretty simple. A lot, a lot of it is Google backend, you know, like, you know, Google sheets and, uh, but we're, we're a remote team. So, you know, we are constantly on video, but it's still kind of the old school email, you know, text, phone calls nonstop, but the, and then just CRM is like how we organize our backend, uh, and all the sales leads is, is important for us. What do you use for your CRM? We've used Salesforce in the past. We currently use Asana to, to organize everything. So that's been, that's been great. Uh, Notion is another thing we use. Klaviyo for emails, Shopify for our website. Those are, that's basically that. And between that and Google, uh, you can operate a CPG business. Yeah. It's pretty low lift on the tech side, which is amazing. Very, very, very much. I mean, at the end of the day, we're selling a food product. Um, so we're not, we don't need any special coders on the back end. It's interesting. I think the barrier to entry to, you know, start a business is fairly low because it's affordable to start the the Shopify site and and stuff like that. But I think the barrier to success is totally different than the barrier to entry. Completely agree. I would, yeah, I would argue starting a anyone can make a product in their kitchen and sell it online is probably one of the easiest businesses to start. But not not many succeed in the end, especially the ones that really want to go for it. So we're we're fighting that fight every day and. Again, we're we got a lot of momentum, so we're excited. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Blake, for joining me on the show and sharing your awesome story. Love your product. And thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Lee. Thank you so much for listening to the Stairway to CEO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Lee Green. And if you have any burning business questions, please feel free to reach us at www.stairwaytoceo.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the show, tell your friends, leave us a review, and follow us on Instagram at Stairway to CEO. Until next time, guys, keep on climbing.